Praise the Lord. It's good to greet everyone today. Thank you for coming to Drive-In Church. Those of you that are here, parking lot is wonderfully filled with vehicles this morning. Thank you for your participation, your spirit of faith. Others will hear this message on the podcast. And we do have the video available on the website as well, Worship in the Word with Pastor Mark preaching the Word. When the situation, the present distress started coming down a few weeks ago, I felt strongly in my spirit that we must maintain visibility at this property. The church building should be open. To me, our service before the Lord is the most essential service in the world. And that this sanctuary should be open, this property should be open, and that the Word of God would be preached from this pulpit. So here I am in the sanctuary at the pulpit in Christ City, It's kind of lonely in here, but you're all out there, and I bless you today. We've been restricted to 15 people in the building, which means basically the AV personnel and some of the staff pastors. Even if it goes to five people, I will still be here preaching the Word of God from the pulpit. And if we're restricted down to two people, it'll be myself and a sound person recording the message in this place. That's how strongly I feel that the Word of God should stay in the house of God and in the pulpit of the Lord. Hallelujah. A few weeks ago, I received a text from one of my staff pastors. He said these words, don't extinguish, don't let the light, don't let the lamp go out in the lighthouse. And another one of my pastors, a district pastor, as I was speaking to him on the phone, said, don't let the fire go out in the temple. Don't let the lamp go out in the temple of the Lord. And we understand that the gathering of God's people is very sacred to him, that the house of the Lord, that the church gathering is the gathering of God's people together. So today we're here in the presence of the Lord. I want to begin the message today with an outstanding scripture, one of the great scriptures of the Bible, 1 Chronicles chapter 12, verse 32. It says, The sons of Issachar, who had understanding of the times, to know what Israel ought to do. The title of this message is, A World in Travail. A World in Travail. Sons of Issachar, who had understanding of the times, to know what God's people ought to do. These sons of Issachar were people that had honed their spiritual sensibilities to hear from God. They were of quick understanding in the fear of the Lord. They knew what Israel ought to do, and they did it. What are we to be doing in this hour? What is God calling the church to do? And us as individuals, a part of the body of Christ, These were men, these sons of Issachar, that were expert in war. They were mighty men of valor. They were men that knew how to keep rank, how to keep unity. It says they were of a fierce loyalty. They were men that knew how to keep battle formation. And they had understanding of the times to know what they do. And they understood that now is the time to make David king. For us, we have a greater king today that we must exalt, and that is the greater David, Jesus Christ the Lord. It's time for us to exalt him in the land, to lift him up in the land. 
The times were changing quickly for those sons of Issachar, and they changed quickly with the times. Questions are raised concerning the present world situation, the present distress. What is this calamity, this pestilence? Is it merely another virus, some natural disturbance? Is it a judgment? Is it a plague? Is it a divine check or restraint against sin and wickedness in the world? In my spirit, it is not only one thing. It is many things. It is not only one thing, but one thing it is, is a visible travail of earth. A world in travail, an earth in travail, feeling the birth pangs of the age to come, the eternal day. The Bible says God will usher in a new world of righteousness, a new heavens and earth. Listen to Jesus' words as he described calamities of this proportion. He spoke of them as the beginning of sorrows. Most of our translations say sorrows, the beginning of sorrows. The Greek literally is birth pangs, travail. The NIV has it. This is, these are the beginning of birth pains in the earth. In Matthew 24, 3 to 8, Scripture says, Now as Jesus sat on the Mount of Olives, the disciples came to him privately, saying, Tell us, when will these things be, and what will be the sign of your coming and of the end of the age? And Jesus answered and said to them, Take heed that no one deceives you. For many will come in my name, saying, I am the Christ, and will deceive many. And you will hear of wars and rumors of wars. See that you are not troubled. See that you are not troubled. For all these things must come to pass, but the end is not yet. For nation will rise against nation and kingdom against kingdom. And there will be famines, pestilences, and earthquakes in various places. All these are the beginning of birth pangs, birth pains, travail, sorrows. In Luke 21, 25 to 28, Jesus said, and there will be signs in the sun, in the moon, and in the stars, and on the earth distress of nations with perplexity. The sea and the waves roaring, men's hearts failing them from fear, and the expectation of those things which are coming on the earth, for the powers of the heavens will be shaken. Then they will see the Son of Man coming in a cloud with power and great glory. Now when these things begin to happen, look up and lift up your heads because your redemption draws nigh. Maranatha, our Lord comes. A third scripture under this point, Romans chapter 8, verses 18 to 23, the Apostle Paul said, For I consider that the sufferings of this present time are not worthy to be compared with the glory which shall be revealed in us. For the earnest expectation of the creation eagerly waits for the revealing of the sons of God. For the creation was subjected to futility, not willingly, but because of God who subjected it in hope. 
because the creation itself also will be delivered from the bondage of corruption into the glorious liberty of the children of God. For we know that the whole creation, the whole world, groans and labors with birth pangs together until now. Not only that, but we also have the first fruits of the Spirit. Even we ourselves grown within ourselves, eagerly waiting for the adoption, the redemption of our body. It's a world in tra travail, a creation in travail, longing for the manifestation of the sons of God, the day when the righteous shall shine forth as the sun in the kingdom of their father, as Jesus said. The present distress is not just one thing, but one thing it is, it is a spiritual travail, a world in travail. Birth pangs are part of bringing forth the great day of God, the new heavens and the earth, wherein dwells righteousness. Second, the present distress is a spiritual call to all people of earth. It's a wake-up call. It's an awakening, a strong reminder of how uncertain, weak, fragile and fleeting life can be and that we must set our heart beyond this world and prepare for eternity is this plague a judgment of the Lord I don't say directly that it is or that it isn't it may be I don't know but one thing it is it is a precursor to judgment day a lesser visible manifestation of the great and dreadful day of the Lord, judgment day, the end of the world. Listen to the words of Malachi chapter 4, words that suddenly seem so real. Malachi 4 verse 1, For behold, the day is coming, burning like an oven. And all the proud, yes, and all who do wickedly will be stubble. And the day which is coming shall burn them up, says the Lord of hosts, that it will leave them neither root nor branch. But to you who fear my name, the Son of Righteousness shall arise with healing in his wings, and you shall go out and grow up like calves of the stall. You shall trample down the wicked, for they shall be ashes burned in the oven. They shall be ashes under the soles of your feet on the day that I do this, says the Lord of hosts. There is a day coming that will burn as an oven. Hellfire, hell, fire and brimstone, the furnace of everlasting destruction. Behold, the day comes that will burn as an oven. But there's opportunity now to escape that fire, to escape that oven, to escape that burning, and to come under the wings of the Son of Righteousness. Behold, a day is coming that will burn as an oven. But unto you that fear my name, to those that put their trust in God, to those who call out for the salvation of the Lord, the Bible says that we will come under the wings of the Son of Righteousness. Unto you that fear my name, the Son of Righteousness will rise with healing in his wings. You'll find protection, salvation, healing. You'll go forth and Grow up, you'll gamble, you'll leap and dance, you'll frisk and rejoice like calves let out of the stall. The wicked will be as ashes, 
from the fire under the soles of your feet. John the Baptist cried out to his generation, who has warned you to flee from the wrath to come. The Bible warns of the wrath to come, the wrath of God, hellfire, everlasting destruction, who has warned you to flee from the wrath to come. It is unfashionable today for preachers to talk about hell, judgment day, to spend much time on the doctrine of eternal judgment as it sets forth in the word of God. Hell is rarely mentioned. It's unfashionable. Let's not talk about hell in this present Christian pop culture. Hellfire and brimstone preachers, some feel that they have no place in a sophisticated society like today. Reminds me of the Old Testament where the people said to the preachers and to the prophets, prophesy unto us smooth things. Prophesy unto us smooth things. Something that doesn't go down so hard. Give us uplifting thoughts and encouraging words. Popular words and so it's possible that a generation of humanistic preachers can rise up motivational speakers, moralistic teachers. The Bible says that the people will heap to themselves, they will gather to themselves teachers that say the things they like to hear. And my, how you can gather the preachers in this day of technology all week long. But hell is real. And the Bible has much to say about this. The absence of the mention of hell, the absence of preaching about hell and judgment day should alarm us. Because spiritual warning is a prevalent and principal theme in the scriptures, Old Testament and New Testament. Judgments of God fell in the Old Testament and they fell in the New and they will fall ultimately in the day of the Lord. Jesus warned of hell often in his preaching. He gave ample warning to the people. He taught many things of the kingdom of God and moral character and the fruit of righteousness and all the wonderful spiritual marvels and wonders of the kingdom of God. But he inserted and wove in much warning concerning the judgment day and the end of the world. So did the apostles in their preaching and in their New Testament writings, speaking often of the day of the Lord, warning the people concerning repentance and the wrath to come. And the book of Revelation is frightening and urgent in its call to the people of earth to accept Christ, to receive forgiveness of sins and escape the fires of hell, which ultimately are spoken of as the lake of fire, the lake that burns with brimstone and fire. A couple of weeks ago, when I was out for a walk, I stopped to talk to a couple of my neighbors. I'd met them before. I, I said to them, said, you know, you know I'm a preacher, that I believe the Bible, that it speaks about judgment day and the end of the world. We were talking about the present pandemic. I said, what, what do you think? I'm wondering, what do you think? Could this event be a lead up to judgment day? The one neighbor, very personable man, 
jovial in spirit. He's from a traditional, formalistic church. He said, hey, we'll, we'll get through this. The world has seen this before. This is nothing new. We'll, we'll make it through. And as for the future and life after death, he said, hey, I'm, 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 I do my best. I'm good. I'm a good neighbor. Um, I hope to make it up to the great blue sky. So that's all we can hope for, to make it there. I said to him, listen, would you take time this afternoon? You have a Bible. Would you take time today to read John 3:16? For God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son, that whosoever believes in him should not perish, but have everlasting life. Jesus gave two destinations, those that perish, day coming that will burn as an oven, and those that go on to everlasting life. I will see my neighbors again on another walk, and I trust for opportunity to share the gospel further. Jesus said in Luke 12, 4 to 5, he said, I say to you, my friends, do not be afraid of those who kill the body, and after that have no more that they can do. But I will show you whom you should fear. Fear God. Fear the Father, who after he has killed, has power to cast into hell. Yes, I say to you, fear him. Fear God. Fear him who has power to cast into hell. A few weeks ago, a pastor friend of mine, Pastor Ed Allen from Daystar Church, sent me a text. The words of A.W. Tozer. These are the words. People on earth hate to hear the word repent. Those in hell wish they could hear it again. People on earth hate to hear the word repent. Those in hell wish they could hear it again. And now I want to refer to Mark chapter 9, verses 43 to 48. This is Jesus' sermon. This is Jesus preaching. It's not my message. I'm simply reiterating it. Mark chapter 9, verse 43. If your hand causes you to sin, cut it off. It is better for you to enter into life, eternal life, the God life. The word is zoe, the God life. It's better for you to enter into life maimed rather than having two hands to go to hell, into the fire that shall never be quenched, where their worm does not die and the fire is not quenched. And if your foot causes you to sin, cut it off. It is better for you to enter into life lame rather than having two feet to be cast into hell, into the fire that shall never be quenched, where their worm does not die and the fire is not quenched. And if your eye causes you to sin, pluck it out. It is better for you to enter the kingdom of God with one eye rather than having two eyes to be cast into hell fire where their worm does not die and the fire is not quenched. Sobering words from the Lord. What is Jesus getting at? He is calling for the most serious consideration concerning eternity. He's not intending these words literally, but uses them in a literal way for the strongest emphasis possible. That we would deal with ourselves 
most severely in the matter of salvation, in the matter of heaven and hell, life and death. And so we take these words of Jesus and listen to them and we look at our own lives, our own members, and I say, my, my hand is causing me to sin. I will cut off my hand. So I cut off my hand there. That should do it. I should be free of sin. But then I notice my foot, my wayward feet, my foot taking me to places where I shouldn't go, leading me into temptation. I, I must deal with that. Better to cut off my foot than go to hell. So I cut off my foot. There, that should do it. Uh-oh. My eye. My eye is causing me to sin. My, my eye is looking at things it shouldn't look at. My eye is lusting after things it shouldn't. And so painful as it is, I, I gouge out my eye. Better to lose my eye than to go to hell. And then the awful realization sets in. Sin is far deeper than my hand, than my foot, than my eye. Sin is in the deepest part of me, in my soul, in my heart, in my being. And I realize there's only one answer. I must put the sword through my heart. I must put the sword of the word of God through my heart. I must pass the sentence of death across my members. I must die to my sin in repentance, humbling myself before God, and then rise into the kingdom of God, rise into Zoe, the life of God, in the power of regeneration, in the power of salvation, and enter the kingdom of God. Jesus says, deal with yourself most thoroughly, most absolutely, most severely. Get into the life of God. Get into the kingdom of God. Get into heaven and stay out of hell. John 14, 6, he said, I am the way, the truth, and the life. No one comes unto the Father but through me. I am the way, the truth, the life. No one comes to the Father but through me. Jesus is the only way to the Father. No other religion, no other philosophy, no other manner of life, thinking, ingenuity of man. Jesus Christ alone claims to be the one who can take us through to eternity, and the Word of God verifies it. Again, John 3, 16, God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten Son that whosoever believes in him should not perish but have everlasting life. In John chapter 6, verse 66, 666, some of Jesus' disciples found the going hard and turned back and not walked no more with him. From that time, many of his disciples went back and walked no more with him. They found the going hard. They were fine with casual Christianity, but not with the full demands of the gospel. And Jesus turned and said unto the twelve, Will you also go away? See, Jesus was willing to go on alone. Though no one go with me, I will follow. I'll follow my Father. He said to the twelve, will you also go away? Then Simon Peter, the spokesman for the group, answered him, Lord, to whom shall we go? Thou hast the words of eternal life. 
and we believe and are sure that thou art the Christ, the Son of the living God. To whom will we go? You alone have the words. You alone have the words of eternal life. And we believe and are sure that you are the Christ, the Son of the living God. If you are listening to this message and don't know Jesus as your Savior and Lord, call upon the name of the Lord today. Cry out, Jesus, save me, and give your life completely to follow him. There's a heaven to gain and a hell to shun. Give your life to the Lord today. Humble yourself under the hand of the Lord. Fear the one who is able to cast into hell. Give your life to the salvation. Come under the wings of righteousness, the protection and covering of the Lord, the wings of healing and salvation. If you do know Jesus today, why don't you praise him and thank him for his forgiveness, for his rescue, for his salvation, for eternal life. And take these words of Peter and speak them in your heart and confess them with your mouth today. Lord, to whom shall we go? You alone have the words of eternal life. And we believe and are sure that you are the Christ, the Son of the living God. Well, Father, we thank you today for your salvation. Thank you for the covering of your presence. Son of righteousness has risen upon us with healing in his wings. We're under your care. You said, let not our hearts be troubled. Though the world would be filled with perplexity, yet you have given us understanding. We have understanding of the times and we know what to do. Lord, we save ourselves from a crooked generation. By your blood and by your power, we save ourselves from a cruel eternity. The fires, the oven of eternity, Lord. And Father, we stand in your presence today to glorify and bless you. Thank you for your goodness. Thank you for your word. Thank you that you've come and given us understanding that we can walk before you in righteousness and holiness. We confess the words of the disciples today. Lord, to whom shall we go? You, you alone have the words of eternal life, and we believe and are sure that you are the Christ, the Son of the living God. Amen. God bless you today. Go with God.